0: If you've been a christian for a while you've probably heard a good sermon on works and faith at some point but the honest truth is that i feel like we usually miss something because see this is one of the most foundational items in christianity but i think that we often misunderstand the concept of sin what actually makes something sinful and that there's so much more to it i think oftentimes we stop short at a quick and easy answer but today i want to dig deep and really understand these basic concepts as we set up a solid foundation from which we're going to build Hi everybody, my name is Joseph Walter and we're on Loving Theology today. And what I really wanted to do was take something in the scripture that seems hard to reconcile and reconcile it for us today because, you know, it's one of my favorite things to do is to take two things that feel opposite and put them together. Sometimes it's the way that we feel and our own experience of life and some truth that we see in the scripture and there's some reconciliation there. But what I really want to do today is take two concepts that we see both in the scripture and reconcile them. See, the concept of a paradox is this, that there's two truths that operate side by side. We know that they're both true, but they're very hard to reconcile. They're very hard to make sense of together. And that's what I wanna do for us today, is I wanna do that with the concept of faith and works. Because we've all read so many scriptures that tell us about how we're saved by grace through faith, and that we aren't saved by works. That's Ephesians 2, eight through nine. But we've also seen that faith without works is dead. That's James 2:17. But we've also read these sobering verses that tell us about the importance of being free from sin. That if we practice sin, whether that's sexual immorality or something even as small as lying, that we won't inherit eternal life. That's Revelation 21 8. And we've also seen though, and this is sort of almost ironic and, and a little bit comedic, that if we said that we don't sin, then we would be lying, which would be a sin. That's um, First John 1 John 1.8. And as we read all of those verses, it's really clear that it's not, it, it is faith that saves us, but there's also this thing of works that we can't simply go on sinning, and that faith is salvation, but that works are still evidence of that salvation. But that's that sounds good, that sounds like a nice answer, but it doesn't really fully resolve it for me. And that's what I want to do is I want to take us past quick answers to these questions because I think that really at the root of this is that we don't fully understand the concept of sin. We don't fully know what's, what makes something sinful. But whenever we have a proper understanding of what makes something sinful, then we can begin to see why faith answers that problem of sin. And whenever we do that, then naturally from that understanding, from that place of properly understanding sin and faith and what they are it becomes really obvious why faith and works work together how we reconcile these two things so what is sin or or maybe another way of saying it what makes something sinful what's that delineating line where we look at something and it's sinful or it's not whenever the bible tells us what sin is what's the root behind all of that what is the cause or the origin that makes an action or a decision or a thought even sinful and to understand the origin of sin let's start with the original the first sin now of course we've all read this story in genesis but the point of today is that i don't want to stop at what we think that we know i want to take a fresh perspective at things so i want you to listen to this story in genesis as if it were the first time that you're reading it and let's see what stands out starting in chapter 2 verse 16 of genesis and the lord commanded the man saying you may surely eat of every tree of the garden but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay, so the first thing that stands out to me is the name of the tree. If, if you will, it, it surprises me. What I would expect if I was reading this story of the account of the first sin, I would expect this tree to be called the, the tree of evil, or at least the tree of sin, something like that. But no, it's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But wait a minute, isn't that kind of a good thing? I mean, to know the difference between good and evil, to know right from wrong. I mean, that's what we're trying to teach our kids, right? Is to teach them the difference between right and wrong and help them to choose what's right. Isn't that the whole point of Christianity? Well, it it can't be because the origin or the problem that Christianity is solving is explained here in Genesis as the knowledge of good and evil. And in fact, I think this is what makes Christianity so different from almost every other world, religion and philosophy because every other world religion and philosophy is about attaining this goal of understanding what is good and what's evil. It's about knowing what makes something good and evil. But Christianity says that that pursuit is actually what's sin, that pursuing the knowledge of good and evil is actually what is sinful. And that should surprise us probably because that means that there's something so much more to this story, that it's not simply evil that's sinful. It's the knowledge of good and evil. But why is that sinful? I think that it's best explained by what the serpent says in chapter three of Genesis. Starting in verse four, he says this, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And you see, it was right after this that Eve succumbed to the temptation." And whenever the verse explains why she gave into the temptation, here's what it says. It says that she saw that the tree was desired to make one wise. You see, up until now, God had defined good and evil for them. They didn't look to themselves to figure out what was right and wrong. They simply let God direct them and tell them what was good and what was evil. And that was what she was looking for, though, is she was looking for this wisdom, so to speak, to know the difference between good and evil. But here's the thing is that that was God's role. That was part of what made God, God, is that he had the authority, he had the wisdom to know the difference between what was good and what was evil, what brought life and what brought death. And that's why this knowledge of good and evil would make someone like God. See, choosing the knowledge of good and evil meant rejecting God's definition of good and evil. And more fundamentally than that, it meant rejecting God as God and choosing instead to become like God ourselves. You see, every time that we choose for ourselves what's good and what's evil, what's good for us and what will bring harm to us, we're repeating that original sin. And maybe I think more to the point, every single time that we sin, we do this. Every time that we sin, we look at something that God says would bring us death. And we repeat the words of the serpent. We say, we will not surely die. This won't kill me, not right here and not right now. This isn't that big of a deal. Every time that we sin, even if it's just succumbing to a temptation to something that we wish that we weren't doing, we're still choosing to look at something that God said would bring us death and ignoring the consequences, choosing to diminish those consequences, saying we won't surely die. And this is what's at the root of every single sin. This is the root that makes things sinful, is this desire to become like God. This elevation of ourselves to know the difference of good and evil. In fact, even in the sin that Satan committed, whenever he fell from heaven, he had this exact same sin. The same temptation that he was peddling in Genesis is the same temptation that he succumbed to whenever it recounts his story in Isaiah. In Isaiah 14, it talks about Satan's fall, and it says this, You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven, and above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will make myself like the most high. Now that we have this proper understanding of sin, we can apply it to understand why faith is the answer to sin. You see, because sin is choosing not to trust God's definition of good and evil. But faith, on the other hand, is defined as this. Faith is defined as complete trust confidence in someone or something so when we put our faith in God we are putting our we are choosing to trust him fully and whenever we trust him and trust his definition of good and evil then we're choosing that definition over our own and in that way faith is the answer to sin because we aren't choosing for ourselves the knowledge of good and evil we're choosing instead to trust him with what is good and what is evil You see, we aren't called to choose between good and evil. In fact, that's the point of every other world religion and every other philosophy is to choose good over evil, to choose what's right. But Christianity is different. Christianity is not about choosing good rather than evil. It's about choosing to trust God rather than trusting ourselves. It's about surrendering our decision, our morality to him, letting him decide what's good and evil. See, whenever we become a Christian, It's not that we decide to do good with the rest of our lives. It's that we decide to trust him with the rest of our lives. It's about surrender. And here's the thing is that this is, because of this, faith and works are no longer two opposing concepts that need to be balanced. They become two strands of our DNA that identify us as Christians. See, whenever we trust God and we trust his leading in what is good and what's evil, and we trust and follow that, not because we necessarily always understand it, not because we think that we know that it's right. We don't limit God's direction to our understanding of good and evil. We trust him to define that for us and follow his leading wherever he tells us to go. And as a result, because he is good, he leads us to do good. Whenever we trust God with our lives, then he does good throughout our life. As we follow that leading, we don't decide for ourselves, yes, that looks loving, let's do that. We look to his definition in the scriptures and in prayer as he leads us. And as a result, James describes it this way. He says, I will show you my faith by my works. That's James 2 verse 18. And this is why it says that the righteous shall live by faith in Romans 1:17. Because we don't know what's good and evil and we will always get it wrong. But if we trust his leading, even whenever that leading goes contrary to our own feelings, our own opinions, or to what other people say, but subject ourselves instead to what he says is good and evil, then we can trust the net. And that is what leads us to do what is actually good, what actually brings life rather than death. So as we've just seen, God alone has the right to define good and evil. What that means is that if whenever we allow anything else to define good and evil for us, we've set that thing up as an idol in our lives, allowing it to take the role that God, that is reserved for God alone. So anytime that we allow our reason or our feelings or our emotions to influence the way that we understand what's good and what's, what's bad, we are setting these things up as idols in our lives. Whenever we interpret our understanding of what's loving through the lens of what society approves, We have set society up as a God in our lives. And see, this is the thing is that this is so easy for all of us to do. We all struggle to do these things. What I wanna do in this series is expose the ways and expose the things that we trust to define good and evil for us. And also work through the struggle of putting God back in that place where we trust him with our definition of good and evil. But here's what I wanna start with next time, is why this is so exciting. Because I think oftentimes we misunderstand the meaning of the word good. That good isn't about following rules. It's about finding joy. There is so much joy in what is good. And there's so much pain in what is evil. That is why those terms are used, good and evil in the scriptures. So we're gonna explore that together next time. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell because you don't wanna miss it as we walk through this journey together. And also I'll put links for other posts below and other videos in the description that you might find helpful or that you might like to see that are sort of related to the topics that we've discussed here. I really appreciate you spending time with us today and I hope that this was helpful to you. Thank you.